So read with me Luke chapter 2, start with verse 25. It says this. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. A blue Christmas. What happens when Christmas doesn't go according to plan? What happens when somebody throws a wrench into the cog and all the things that happen? How do we handle those circumstances? How do we handle those things that come into our life that we don't expect, but we still have this holiday we're going to enjoy? John Simmons talks about a grade school was putting on a play at their, at their school of Mary and Joseph coming to the inn. In the class was one little boy who wanted very much to be Joseph. And he tried out for the part, but he didn't get the part of Joseph. He got the part as the innkeeper. And this little boy was quite bitter about this situation. So during all the rehearsals, he began to plot how he would get even with his rival. So as all this was going on, and finally the night of the performance, Mary and Joseph come walking across the stage. They knock on the door, and the innkeeper opens the door and asks them gruffly, what they wanted. Joseph answered, we'd like to have a room for the night. Suddenly the innkeeper threw the door wide open and said, great, come on in. I'll give you the best room in the house. Well, that wasn't in the script. And Joseph was taken back a little bit. And in a few seconds, this poor kid didn't know what to do. But finally, young Joseph had an idea. He stepped up to the innkeeper, looked him straight in the eye, then beyond him and made this big production and said this he stepped back beside his wife and said no wife of mine would stay in a dump like this come on Mary let's go to the barn <laughs> kind of saved the play kind of saved the play there are times when Christmas doesn't go according to plan does it I mean everything's ready Everything's planned. Family and friends are invited. You got all your food ready. And then something happens. You burn the turkey. Or something. Somebody gets sick and they can't come. There are times that you know what the script ought to be. You know how things should go. But something changes. Somebody gets sick and the lines are changed all of a sudden. But we understand, right? We understand, don't we, that when Christmas doesn't seem cheerful and upbeat like it used to or it should be because someone dies. 
friends and family move away, or maybe we struggle with divorce, or somebody we know is struggling with divorce, we lose our jobs, we lose our, our houses, we find somebody that has cancer or other overwhelming diseases, and we step back and we think, how can we enjoy Christmas with all this going on? You see, we had promised to be a Christmas filled with joy and pleasure, but suddenly it becomes this blue Christmas. It's often reflected in the emotion of Elvis's hit, I'll have a blue Christmas without you, you know, type thing. I'm not sure this is what he meant, but it's a song that he sang. In fact, there are some churches in the United States that actually have a service before Christmas called a blue Christmas service. Now, I don't understand this, but this is what they do. Richard Spencer of Trinity Church in New York said, The world tells people, if you buy this present, you'll be happy. It will make you go ho, 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 and joy to the world. He says, well, what if there's no joy in the world? And so Mrs. Spencer and other preachers have this longest night service or this blue Christmas service, usually on December 21st, the longest night of the year. You come into the sanctuary, it's dark, and it's usually just by candles or somber music being played. They read scripture out of Psalms and other parts of scripture and understand it is not a cheerful atmosphere. They don't sing, go tell it on the mountain. They don't sing those joyful songs. They sing the more solemn and slow songs, almost those funeral dirges, because it no joy. Referring to this, Kevin Manny says this. He says, one man wrote, Some churches held a blue Christmas service for those who suffered loss, complete with melancholy piano music, dead branches laid on the table, covered with blue cloth to represent the winner of our souls. He said, I found the whole thing to be quite depressing because I was looking for a word of hope, but found none. I mean, you come to church looking for hope, don't we? Because we know this is where we come together and be built upon each other because of who Jesus is. He was looking for a word of hope but didn't find any. So in our text this morning, we find this prophecy that seems, as you read it at first, to be filled with this blue Christmas, Christmas idea. Simeon is an old man, as we're reading this, who was righteous and devout, Scripture says. It says that God promised him that he would not die until he had seen the Messiah in verse 26. So here's this old guy waiting because he knows the Holy Spirit has told him he's not going to die until he sees this baby Jesus. So understand, this is Simeon's one chance to offer a prophecy about Christ. And he makes a declaration that just is filled with bad news, it seems. So here's Simeon. He's getting the answer to his prayer. He gets to see the Christ child, the hope of Israel, and the hope of the world. But he says this towards the end. Remember, he says, The child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel. This is a prophecy. In other words, he is saying he would cause some to be lifted up and encouraged, but he was going to cause others to be destroyed. That's not all good news. When you think about that, some will be lifted up, but others will be destroyed. Then he says this, and to be a sign that will be spoken against. He was prophesying that this baby Jesus was going to face opposition, that he was going to face trouble. He was going to face people that doesn't like what he was doing. But Simeon also says this, the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. 
what Simon is saying is, even to us Christians today, he would ex expose those hidden sins that we try to hide. The secrets of men and women all over the world. That's what this Jesus was going to be able to do. And then he says this, talking about Mary. It says, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. What he was telling Mary in that prophecy that Mary was going to watch his son go through the crucifixion process. Go through those trials, go through those beatings, go through those scourgings to be put on the cross and to watch her own son die. This was all prophecy. She would watch as her son was terribly beaten. And for most people, we understand, and I understand this too, most people, Christmas is fun, Christmas is joyful, Christmas is all those things that it should be. But a lot of times, we look at the bad and not always the good. And when we just look at this, we kind of think, man, this is kind of a blue Christmas idea. But as one man observed, he said this, unless we see the shadow of the cross falling on the crib, we are not seeing Christmas clearly. Jesus didn't enter this world just to be a cute little baby. He came to suffer and die on a cross so that our sins might be forgiven and so that we might be saved. Jesus understood that he was born to die. So you see, that first Christmas wasn't completely a holly jolly Christmas that we often sing about. And one could reasonably argue that this first Christmas was literally this blue Christmas that we're talking about. And if all of us looked at the things that were wrong with the birth of Jesus, that's all we would see. If we see what was happening in Rome, if we watch what Jesus had to go through, if we knew what all the things that was going to have to happen, even that was centered around Jesus' birth, the reason they had to go where they went, and how they had to flee where they were to go home to save Jesus' life because the king was wanting to kill all the children, the males. And when you look at all those things, you see how it could be a, a blue Christmas. When we first saw Jesus, he declared this. When Simeon first saw Jesus, he declared this. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles for the glory of your people Israel. So even though Simeon said all these things that seemed negative, that seemed blue, that seemed to bring people down, he had something positive to say that he was going to bring the glory to the people of Israel and to the glory of us. So you can literally see the excitement in Simon's voice. He's been allowed to see God's salvation. He's gotten to see the promise fulfilled. He's waited a long time to get to see this, and now he gets to see it. He's seen the light of the Gentiles. He's seen the glory of Israel. And understand, yes, there's going to be dark moments surrounding this young baby, but they all paled in comparison to what this child was going to accomplish. Jesus had come to give light and to bring salvation. The Christmas season. Isn't a time to put dead branches on a communion table. But it's a, and it's not a time to sing funeral dirges. It's not a time to sing funeral hymns. That's not what we're saying. Christmas time is literally a time to rejoice. It's literally a time to sing with such boisterous that we shake the rafters. We do all those things because we are happy. Because we know what God has given to us. 
It's because that we can speak and we can read of God's unfailing love for us. That what John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. You see, no matter what this world throws at us, we can know without a doubt that the glory of the salvation that God gives to us is what we depend on. And yes, this world can be a harsh place to be. Yes, people die. People move away. People get divorced. They get sick. They lose their jobs. They lose their home. There are real hardships and there are real tragedies that a lot of people face. And they're going to happen to people we know. And yes, they may even happen to us. But the message of the gospel of the story of Jesus' birth is this. Because of Jesus, we know we're not going to face those things alone. That no matter what we go through or what our family goes through, what our friends go through, we know we're not going to be by ourselves. That we have somebody always with us. But you take Jesus out of the story, everything changes. You take Jesus out of the story in all these situations, life gets blue really quick. Back in 2005, Ridgeway Elementary School in Dodgeville, Wisconsin, decided to have a winner program. It was during that time they were taking Christ out of everything. And so instead of having this Christmas program, they called it a winter program. And of course, a winter program, you weren't allowed to have Jesus in the program. So what they did is they were going to sing a song, Silent Night, but it wasn't the song Silent Night. It was the music of Silent Night. But they changed the words to the song, and it was called Cold in the Night. Now listen to these lyrics these kids sang to the tune of Silent Night. It said, cold in the night, no one in sight, winter winds whirl and bite. How I wish I were happy and warm, safe with my family, out of the storm. Whew, those are happy thoughts, aren't they? You know, come on. But you see, when you take Jesus out of the story, what happens? You take Jesus out of the silent night, that's what you get. You take Jesus out of our life, that's what we get. The repeated message throughout the story of Christ's birth is this. I don't know if you've ever caught this or not. I was, when I read this uh, from somebody else, I was surprised. The story that's repeated, it's four little words. Don't be afraid. Think about this. When the angel told Zechariah he was to be the father of John the Baptist, he declares this in Luke 1.13. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. When the angel visited Joseph, remember what he told Joseph? Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what she has conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. When the angel told Mary what he told her, the same four words, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will give birth to a child and give him the name Jesus. I mean, throughout the story of the scriptures, over and over and over and over again, God tells us, don't be afraid. So why? Why does he tell us not to be afraid? Because we have Jesus. But why shouldn't I be afraid? I mean, when I look at life and I look at life situations, it's filled with so many unpleasant things and frustrating things that we see. So tell me why I shouldn't be afraid. 
Here's the answer. Because we have received good news that shall be for all people. Not just for the people of that time, but it's for the people today. That we have received the good news for all people. And Simeon said the same thing. When he saw the Christ child, he declared that he would be a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people, Israel. You see, I don't have to be afraid because Jesus is the light of the world. Even though the world is filled with darkness, even though that's all the world wants us to see, even though we understand Satan is alive and well, we still have that light. And there's no circumstances in life that can make it so hard for me to see what lies ahead, but Jesus brings light so I know that no matter what happens, one day we have that hope of eternal life. And get this, and Jesus is the glory of of God. When God gave us his son, Jesus, he became the glory of God. In other words, he is Emmanuel. Remember what that means? God with us. That no matter where we're at, no matter what we're going through, God is with us. I don't have to face what life throws at me by myself because I know God is with me. I don't have to face death or divorce or disease all by myself because I know God is right beside me. And because that is true, and because I hope we believe it, God gives me this promise, Romans 8, 28, in all things God works for the good of those who love him. That good things are going to happen because of what he can do. It doesn't say anything that happens in my life is ever going to be completely easy or even always going to be good. And I'm not sure it means that everything that happens in my life is from God because I know Satan wants to do everything he can to get my focus away from God. But if I love God, if I love God, I have a promise that whatever happens, God will turn it into good. Did you catch that? I have this promise that no matter what happens, if I love God and I'm worshiping God and God is in my life and I believe, it's going to turn out good. And these two things are true because as Simon declared when he first saw Jesus, he says, my eyes have seen your salvation. You see, Jesus is my life. He is my light. He is God's glory for me because he is the source of, of my, foundation, of my salvation. He's the foundation on which I build my life. He's the foundation on what I do in my life. He's the foundation of all the things that happen in my life. And I know it's easy for me to stand up here and say all these things because as I look at my life, th- things are halfway cool right now. They're kind of quiet. But you know what? I know that can change just like that. I know it. And I can only hope that when it does, I can still stand up here and say, I get it. I understand. It's never going to be easy. I'm not always going to like it. But I know God is right here with me, walking through it with me. I hope we all can say the same thing. You see, he came to earth for me and for you. That which I couldn't do for myself You see, I could never be good enough 
for God. I can never do enough good to outweigh the damage of sin that I've done in my life. But when I believed in Jesus, when I accepted him as my Lord and Savior, when I confessed Jesus as Lord and he's the owner of my life, when I was buried in the waters of baptism and risen to a new life, when I did those things, Jesus came into my life and he changed my life forever. All because God sent his son. So that even when the world hurts us, even when all my carefully crafted plans fall apart, even then I have reason still to have joy in my life, not just at Christmas, but 365 days a year. You see, many in this world mistake godly joy for earthly happiness. There's a lot of people that believe that in order for me to be happy on earth, everything has to be perfect. But that's not the way it always is. They believe that their chief goal is to live their lives, is to be happy. And you know how the world is. If I just buy this car, if I just buy this house, if I just do this, if I just get that, if I can do this, then I'll be happy. That's not the way it is. Because what happens is they get their happiness from what happens to them. We judge life not by what God desires, but what the world is throwing at us. So because we go through a hard time, we really must think God has something against me. Then that happens, and well, why do I need to go to church? Why do I need to do this? Why do I need to do that? Because all of a sudden, God doesn't care. Because we're worrying about what the world wants to offer. But when Jesus comes into our lives, he takes the blues and he changes the hue I didn't write that. that. I read that online somewhere. But he changes everything. He changes how we see things. It takes all that goes wrong in my life, and he turns it into a reason of joy and contentment. Paul wrote this. He says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. He says, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, he says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Think about that. I can do all things through him, through Jesus who gives me strength. The color blue shows up a lot in Scripture, and I want to close with this. The color blue shows up a lot in Scripture, especially in the Old Testament. One of the things that the Old Testament priest, when they were doing everything that they were doing, doing their priestly duties, would wear blue a blue robe, blue sashes, and all that, just kind of symbolic. And that ties right over into the New Testament. Jesus is what? He is our high priest. He is our king. King of kings and Lord of lords. And so one of the things that I read was that actually Jesus will wear blue when we see him because he is that priest. What I want to think about this morning is this as we close. As we get closer to Christmas, and as all the things begin to happen, and all the busyness that takes place, all the things that we're going to enjoy, and all the things that are going to happen, but what happens if we get that phone call? What happens if Christmas doesn't go as planned? What happens if our life takes a turn? How are we going to respond? Is our happiness determined on what this world is offering? Or is our happiness going to be determined by
by what Jesus offers in the long run. Because it's all going to turn out good for the believer. So if we're sitting here this morning, and I say this every year it seems like, but the greatest gift that we could receive this year is Jesus Christ as Lord of our life. To accept him as our personal Lord and Savior. To confess to him all the sins that we have because he wipes the slate clean and we get the gift of the Holy Spirit. That way we know without a doubt that one day we get to be in heaven with him and we can rejoice.